All righty. I'm sure you could talk all day about that because we've all experienced uh, so many blessings in our life like that. So I know time's moving along. We've, pa- we've packed a lot into this service. So I'm just going to share with you quickly this morning some of the reasons why maybe all our prayers are answered the way we would like them to be answered. Um, there are times when those things happen. You know, and sometimes we wonder why. You know, Because Jesus said, we talked about this last week, Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. But did Jesus mean we would always get exactly what we asked for, exactly the way we thought we would, and exactly the way we wanted it to be? I don't think so. And I think there are some real good reasons for that <clears throat> that I want to share with you this morning. And some of them are kind of negative. They're, they're kind of things that, uh, you know, that are kind of on us. And some of them are just really practical ways of thinking and, and ch- kind of grasping the thoughts um, around it. But first of all, one of them is, is maybe a little bit our fault. The Bible tells us that sometimes we don't get the answers to prayer because our motives or our actions hinder prayer. Sometimes our motives and asking are wrong. Sometimes our life isn't... isn't really in a position to be able to receive the things from God that we want to receive or that we we think we deserve to receive. For instance, James 4, verse 3 says, when you ask, he's talking about prayer, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes our, our motives for praying are just totally selfish. It's just so that we can, can have a little more comfort, a little more ease, a little more pleasure, and we're really not thinking about what the, 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 the bigger picture of what is good for us and what's good for um, our world. You know, oftentimes when I think of prayer, I think of toddlers. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we're the toddler and God's the big, all-knowing parent right? How many times have toddlers come to you as a parent or as a grandparent demanding something? More candy. I want more candy. I want to eat all my Halloween candy in one night. You know, they just want more pleasure for themselves because that first chocolate bar was so good, they just want another one. But you know as a parent that their motives are really not right and that they, they really need to, to, you know, be careful, be moderate in all that they have. So I think sometimes our motives can be off. Sometimes our actions can be off too. Sometimes we can be, you know, we can be, um, <clears throat> we can be, looking like, like I just said up there, you know, we all look perfect. I look perfect to you. I know this morning you think I'm perfect, but my wife would tell you I'm not perfect. My kids would tell you I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And, uh, and you know, so um, sometimes we kind of act out like we're living right, but we're not always living right. In fact, we even come to church, and we take communion, we, you know, we, we uh, bow our heads at the right time, we sing the songs, we may raise our hands, we do all kinds of things. And, you know, th- that's not new to us, like this is not new to us, but sometimes our lives are just not really consistent in how we're going and how we're living through that. And so, and God sees those inconsistencies. In, in Isaiah, he's talking to the people of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. And the, the people of Israel, they were really good at their religion. They did all the things that were sp- prescribed, the right sacrifices, the right uh, things to do. But God said, you know, those are not the things I really want from you. 
What I want is, is really sincerity, true hearts. It, it kind of goes like this in, in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, 1, verse 11 to 15. What makes you think, this is God talking, what makes you think, I want all your sacrifices? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, you ask, you who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing you... Bring me your meaningless gifts, the incense of your offerings. Disgust me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days, your for fasting, they're all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual... This is strong language. And they are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands to pray, I will not look. When you lift up your hands and pray, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. You see, God isn't just looking for people that act right. He's looking for people that are right. He's not looking for people that just, just kind of play the game along. He's looking for people that really engage their heart and really practice what they live out in many ways. In, 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 even in the secret places of our heart, we need to live those out. And sometimes, you know, it's not, it's not that God isn't willing to answer our prayers. It's just that we're not in a position to receive the answers to prayer. You know, again, it's kind of like that toddler, you know, when they're really demanding. Have you ever had this happen? You've got a little toddler, and he's, you know, just throwing a little temper tantrum, um, stomping their feet, and whatever, and then you say, all right, fine, here, here's your cookie, and then they won't take it? It's like, no. I think that's what we're like sometimes. You know, we're, our, we're so out of alignment with God that we can't even see the good gifts that he's, he's offering us. And we, we're demanding, but at the same time, we're not really getting <clears throat> what, we, what we're asking for because we're out of alignment. Our hearts aren't correct. Secondly, another thing is that we often, the Bible tells us that we don't treat others properly, and that affects our prayers. I've come to see... In, in, uh, in, in my understanding of Scripture and of what God expects of us, that one of his highest priorities um, is how we treat other people. You know, when I, when I grew up in church, it was, it was always, there were things that were, were kind of elevated, um, moral things that were elevated. You know, we, there were th things we couldn't do, we couldn't behave in certain ways, and, and I, I value that. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. But, you know, <clears throat> I think sometimes we got things a little bit out of, out of order, because I think what really God is really looking for is people that respect one another and love one another. Jesus said there really are two commands, that you love the Lord your God and you love your neighbor as yourself. So Proverbs 21, 13 says, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. You know, if our, again, if our hearts are so callous that we can't see the needs and the, 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 the hearts and the, the, the burdens and the, the problems, and, and we, we can't see that in the people around us, in our fellow humans, and we are cold-hearted towards people. You know, we can walk past the poor, we can walk past the suffering, we can, we can you know, we can kind of just skim through the, the news of the day and our hearts are not moved at all by the, by the hurt and the pain that we see for other, that others are experiencing. In fact, we can even be judgmental towards those people. 
And, and, and the Bible tells us very clearly that these things are hindrance to us receiving all that God wants to give us. Philip Yancey, we're, we're, we're using the book from Philip Yancey, Prayer, uh, Does It Really Make a Difference? And, um, and we're doing that in our small groups during the week, and then I'm kind of using his material to, to kind of prepare these messages. He says this, How I treat what belongs to my neighbor affects how I receive, how he receives my love. The same applies to God. How I treat God's creation, God's children, will determine in part how God receives my prayers and my worship. Prayer involves more than bowing my head a few times a day. It pervades all of my life and vice versa. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, there, <clears throat> John gives us a really good summary of this kind of thinking. He says, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. It means if, we, if we've got a clear conscience, we can come before God with a lot of confidence. We have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So the things that really affect how our prayers are, are kind of uh, processed in the heavenly realm has a lot to do with how we, how we, uh, how we uh, honor God's commands, his word, and how we honor one another and how we love one another. Uh, <clears throat> Philip Yancey quotes Martin Lloyd-Jones, great theologian of our time, and he says, Sometimes we desire to receive all the blessing which saints have received, but we forget that they were saints. We ask, why does God not answer my prayer as he answered that man's prayer? And we should ask instead, why is it that I have not lived the type of life which that man lived? You know, when we think about some of the great stories of people that have had great answers to prayer, and then you look at their life and you realize their life has credibility. It has, it has, it has a certain level of, 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 uh, of strength to it, integrity, wholeness to it. And that's the kind of life we need to strive for. And, and sometimes it just, again, puts us in that place where we can't receive all that God wants to give us. It's not that God doesn't want to pour his blessing out on us. It's not that God doesn't want to bring healing into our lives and want to give us everything that we need. But at the same time, he's very conscious of the fact that if we're not prepared to receive it, it can all go amuck for us. Thirdly, and this is something we talk about a lot and we just need to be reminded of oftentimes is that God respects human freedom and that's a factor in unanswered prayer. You know, oftentimes people say, why God? Why, why is this happening? Why, why, why couldn't you answer this prayer? Why couldn't this person be healed? Why couldn't this happen? Why couldn't that happen? Why would it have been too much just to ask for, for a little bit more grace in this situation, God? And God said, I would have loved to. This is not my choice. This is not my choice to not fulfill this request. Because God has such a, a great value for the human freedom. He has given us free choice. You see, if God were to coerce everybody, you know, if we thought God was some kind of micromanager up there for forcing everybody to do what he wants them to do, then yes, we could blame God for a lot of the unanswered prayer we see. 
But that's not how God operates. He values our will and our choices. And people, you make your own choices, and sometimes they're not good choices. But even if, even if you made all the right, right choices in your life, you still might not get everything you want because of the choices that other people have made. Yes, you made a choice to marry someone and you thought, yes, it was going to be a great marriage and you were going to marry that person and you were going to be, be married, you know, till death do us part. You're going to, you know, you're going to celebrate your 50th and your 60th wedding anniversary and you thought that, that's what you had as your dream. But you didn't know. You married, you know, a really crummy guy. And he, you, you trusted him and he wasn't trustworthy. He made some choices that meant your life took a downturn. It took a path that you never dreamed you would ever take. And that's just a really simplistic kind of thing. But when we think about many of the things that we struggle with and that we suffer with in our world, it relates back to choices that people have made, oftentimes in the past. When we think of the diseases that we face today and the problems we face today, people have made bad choices and things get, you know, the, the, you know we pollute the environment. We, we make choices, to uh, greedy choices and all kinds of things that we struggle with. And that's the world that we live in. Philip Yancey puts it this way when he talks about unanswered prayer. Some, but not all, trace back to God's mystifying respect for human freedom and refusal to coerce. Some, but not all, trace back to dark powers contending against God's rule. Some, but not all, trace back to a planet marred with disease, violence, and the potential for tragic accident. That's the kind of world we live in. God isn't micromanaging the world. God isn't forcing everybody to do what he wants them to do. Right from the very beginning, you go to the first three chapters of the Bible, and you'll find out people started disobeying God right from the beginning. And we live with the consequences of those disobedient choices. Uh, we just don't see clearly. There's another reason. I just realized my numbering got a, is out of whack, unless it's right up here. <laughs> we just don't see clearly. First Corinthians, Paul says it this way. You know, sometimes we look at life and we, we, we think we got the picture, but we're looking through lenses that don't, look, don't see clearly. He says this, We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright and we'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. You know, sometimes we, 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 we think we're seeing clearly, but the images are blurred by the fog of sin, the fog of just circumstances. And there is one day when Jesus will come again. We sang about it a few minutes ago. When Jesus comes again, when he establishes, fully establishes his kingdom here on earth, and it'll be like, oh, now I see. Now I get it. Now I understand. You know, there are things that we just don't see coming around the bend. Philip Yancey has some interesting um, uh, studies that he's investigated in his book, he talks about these studies about prayer. One of the studies is, um, and, and this really is to encourage you, even though you don't see clearly and even though you don't get the answers to your prayer the way you think you should, 
you still should pray because it really does make a difference. There, one study was done, and it was done as a blind study, so the people that were involved in the, in the study didn't know that they were being studied or didn't know which side of the study they were on. And half the people in the study were prayed for in their circumstances, and the other half weren't. Now, they didn't know they were being prayed for, and they didn't know they weren't being prayed for. But they took this group of people. It's kind of an unfair study, <laughs> honestly. But it, it really proves something. He said, he said, in the findings of this report, significantly fewer people died, had faster recovery requiring the use of fewer potent drugs, and none had to be put on life support in the group that were prayed for. The other group obviously experienced more death, more uh, longer recovery times, had to use more drugs, and uh, had to use, be put on life support. Now, here's something for you, too. Even, yeah, this is a good reason to come to church every Sunday, okay? All right? Here's a good reason to come to church every Sunday, not to miss, unless you have to, okay? People who regularly attend church, this is a study, people who regularly attend church have a 25% reduction in mortality. That is, they live longer, <laughs> if you didn't understand what that meant. So coming to church actually extends your life, okay? So if you want to live a long time, just come to church every Sunday. And that we, we can give you that guarantee. It's proven, scientifically proven, okay? You come to church, you'll live longer, all right? Now, we may not understand all that's going on around us, but we can see the truth that prayer does affect change and make a difference, and just because not every prayer we prayed is answered the way we think it should doesn't really mean we should stop praying. And then, finally, I just want to mention that we can be the answer to someone's prayer. Philip Yancey puts it this way. He says, and I thought this was so good. This is not my thought. I, didn't, I never thought this thought, I got it from him completely. He says, those of us who struggle with unanswered prayer dare not overlook an important theological truth about how God acts in the world today. The church is the body of Christ, and as such, it does God's work. Maybe the reason why some people don't get the answer to prayer is because we fail to do our part in answering the prayers of other people. You see, some of the things that we pray for, maybe sickness, maybe, maybe, maybe poverty, maybe other things that, you know, sometimes maybe it's God that's calling out other Christians, other believers followers of Christ, to cooperate and partner with him to be the answer to someone else's prayer. So I encourage you, you know, not to let other people's prayers go unanswered. And you, 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 you feel that kind of that nudge sometimes when you see someone that maybe is in need or you just have a hunch sometimes that, you know, maybe someone needs a word of encouragement. Be the answer to their prayer. They're praying that God would, would somehow intervene, that he would send along a friend, that he would send along a helper, and that he would send along the right, the, the right uh, circumstance to be able to help them through the, what they're going through. Be the answer to someone else's prayer. We're going to close again with another, with another um, just a little prayer uh, exercise. And this is, we're going to use the, the uh, the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father. And I'm just going to read to you a bit from uh, Philip Yancey's book. And this is how you can use the Lord's Prayer to kind of add to your arsenal of prayer. 
I often use the Lord's Prayer. I think I've told you this in the last couple weeks. I often use the, the Lord's Prayer when I'm going to sleep. I'll just kind of go through the Lord's Prayer line by line, much like we're going to do right now, and, and, uh, or, or the, the 23rd Psalm. And that's kind of, what I, uh, kind of a routine I have when I'm going to sleep. Rather than think about all the things that I regret about my day or all the things I'm worried about tomorrow, I just kind of put my attention on, uh, on the Scripture and the, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So Philip Yancey says this, Consider first the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Jesus taught it to his disciples who were already well-trained in the Jewish prayers of their day. Yet they recognized a new approach in Jesus' style of praying and asked for help. In response, he gave this model prayer. Like most churchgoers, I have prayed the Lord's Prayer hundreds of times so that I say it without even thinking. It helps me to slow down, though, and reflect on each phrase and even add my own personal application. So here he gives us an example. Our Father, who art in heaven. I begin with an endearing term of relationship, Father. Remind me today that you live and reign, not in heaven only, but all around me and in my life. Make me aware of your active presence all day in all my undertakings and in the people I meet. Hallowed be your name. How can I recognize you in the splendor of nature, in the odd mix of people I meet, in the still voice that calls me to be more like you? May I hallow what lies before me by consciously referring it to you and also honor your perfection, your holiness, by seeking to become more like you. Your kingdom come. Yes, and allow me to be an agent of that kingdom by bringing peace to the anxious, grace to the needy, and your love to all whom I touch. May people believe in your reign of goodness because I, of how I live today. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I see that will, I see that will, I see that will most clearly in Jesus who healed the sick and comforted the grieving, who lifted up the downtrodden, who stood always for life and not death, for hope and not despair, for freedom and not bondage. He lived out heaven's will on earth. Help me be like Jesus. Give us today our daily bread. We have no guarantee of a day beyond this one. May I trust you for what I need today, nourishment for both body and soul, and not worry about future needs and wants. May I also be ever responsive to those who lack bread today. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Remind me of my true state as a debtor who can never buy my way into your favor. Thank God I do not have to. Grant me the, the same attitude of forgiving grace toward those who owe me and who have wronged me and, who show, and that you show toward me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me not slide mindlessly toward evil today. Make me alert to its temptations and strong to resist it with neither fear nor regret. So that's how you can just use the, the phrases of the Lord's Prayer. And you can, um, you can just kind of build your prayer around those phrases. You can just, you, if you know it by heart, many of you probably do. Um, we used to learn it by heart all the time, and maybe you don't. You, it's very easy to learn if you don't know it, and you can just kind of recite it in your mind and take it through each phrase. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. That's where scripture ends with that that prayer. But then we add to the end of it, it's tradition in the church that we add to it, um, uh, the, the final, forgive us our debts. I can't. <laughs> For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, that's what happens when you learn something by rote. You've got to start at the beginning. <laughs> see, I'm not perfect. Lord, I pray that you would continue to teach us to pray. I pray today especially, Lord, that you would encourage us not to give up. When we don't see exactly what we want or what we thought we should get, Lord, I pray that you would help us to just rest in your all-knowing, all-seeing, all-loving, all-gracious plan and purpose. Help us to rest and trust in you because you are good to us always. In Jesus' name.